0: Hi. Jamie keeps saying, it's going to be a short service. I'm like, okay, I've heard, I've heard. <laughs> and I talk, double speed. No. <laughs> no. You know, it's great, isn't it, to look forward to Sunday, but it's so important not to forget Friday. We're all keen, aren't we, to get to Sunday, because that's the, you know, but, but let's spend this time just having a little reflect on, on Good Friday too. Um, John nineteen twenty eight says this, Later knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lips. When, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Good Friday is an interesting name for today, isn't it? Good Friday. But Good Friday was a key day in the life of Jesus, a day that he knew was coming. It's recorded in Luke 9.22. Jesus said, The Son of Man, or me, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus had prophesied, he'd foretold his own death. This is the time now where he would be betrayed by one of his friends, arrested, tried and sentenced to the most horrific death ever invented by man, nailed to a cross and left. Wasn't such a good Friday for Jesus, was it? What about his friends? They'd walked with him, they'd shared life with him for three years. They'd seen miracles. They'd seen water become wine. They'd seen thousands of people fed with very little. They'd seen people healed, set free and even raised from the dead. Their lives had been turned upside down by this man. They thought he'd come to change the world to free them from occupation. Then they have to watch while one of their own number betrays him. They watch helplessly on the sidelines as Jesus' life drains away. Their hopes are shattered and their dreams for a better future seem swallowed in a tide of grief. Not really a very good Friday for the disciples. And Judas, one of the twelve, singled out by Satan, it says in Luke 22, 22, verse 3, hands Jesus over for 30 pieces of silver, He always was torn by a love of money. Do you remember the lady with the perfume? One of the disciples questioned its value as being too high to waste. That was Judas. But when Judas realises that Jesus is going to die as a result of his actions, he's overcome with the most terrible remorse. He He took the money back, threw it at the feet of the religious leaders. Take it back. Set him free. I want to undo it. I want to turn the clock back. But Judas ends the day dead in a field. Not such a good Friday for Judas. <clears throat> Peter, another one of the 12, swears his allegiance to Jesus. He says, I'll go to prison for you, Jesus. I'll die for you. He even says, if everyone else deserts you, Jesus, I won't yet very quickly finds himself in a courtyard being questioned by just a servant. Girl, have you been with Jesus? Jesus denies that he's ever met him. Peter denies, sorry, that he's ever met him. Not a good Friday for Peter. The leaders of the day, the religious leaders, Caiaphas, the high priest, Herod, Pilate, the Roman governor, none could really find a good reason to sentence Jesus. He was passed from one to the other and finally back to Pilate. Weak-willed Pilate. He shows himself to be the people pleaser. Passes death sentence on the basis of an angry crowd. Pilate released a notorious criminal back into society that day and handed over an innocent man to be killed. Not a good Friday for Pilate and the leaders. And in the account in John 19 verse 25, standing near the cross where Jesus' mother Mary, this is the woman who risked her and her husband's reputation to have this child the one who travelled many, many miles to Bethlehem whilst heavily pregnant and given birth in a stable. The one who'd had to run away and live in a foreign land to protect her child. The one who knew he was something special. She had faith for him to help out when a couple were embarrassed when the wine ran out at the wedding. What was her expectation of her son? How did she think this is going to turn out? And now she's looking up at his face as his life is draining away. She must have wanted to protect him, to take away the pain like any mother would. Can you even begin to imagine what Mary went through on that day? I don't think it was a good Friday for Mary. In the crucifixion accounts in Matthew and Mark, six hours after Jesus was nailed to the cross, he cries out, My God, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Father God, his father, this is the one who said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased when Jesus was baptised. And now he's turned away. Forsaken is one and only son. Why? Because as Jesus' life drains away, he carries it all, all the dirt and despair, the grief and the pain of a fallen world. Holy God. Holy God. Can't look. Every person that's ever been abused, every act of adultery, terrorism, murder, deceit, lies, injustice, human trafficking, starvation, every sickness of body and mind, depravity, debauchery and hell itself. Is it any wonder that holy gods can't look? Not a Good Friday. So why is Christian culture over the years named today Good Friday? Because... Putting together this story, I'd like to suggest that far from being Good Friday, it's possibly the worst of Fridays. In fact, the worst Friday in the history of Fridays. There are some different opinions about why it's called Good Friday. Some say rather than good, it should be Holy Friday. But when you consider what Jesus carried on that day, Unholy Friday seems more accurate. Some people reckon the word good may once have been God and maybe it was originally God's Friday. There doesn't seem to be a definitive answer. So what's going on on that first Good Friday? Was it the ultimate victory (coughs) for the enemy and defeat for God? Satan once offered Jesus the world if he would only worship him. Has he finally won Are death and destruction the ultimate winners? A few years ago, I was sent on a first aid course by my then employer at St John's Ambulance in Birmingham. And during those three days, they covered everything you'd ever need to know about first aid, beginning with how to put a sticking plaster on, I kid you not. I've had three children. I did not need to be taught that. But anyway, we went with it. But for more serious problems, there are some key factors to deal with which take precedence over anything else when you're doing first aid. And they're these. Can the person breathe? Is their heart pumping? Are they bleeding? Why are they the main things? Now, I have to explain that aside from this first aid course, I've got no medical background whatsoever. So this is my non-medical background whatsoever version. But, you know, our organs in our body need oxygen. And if someone stops breathing their blood stops getting oxygen. The organs start to die, leading to brain damage, organ failure and eventually death. If if the heart stops pumping the blood around, the organs stop getting oxygen and that leads to organ failure, brain damage and eventually death. If the heart stops pumping, if someone's bleeding heavily, the blood pressure drops and the blood stops feeding the organs leading to brain damage, organ failure and death. That's why you have to intervene on those three things, first aid. What's the common denominator? It's blood. Our bodies are designed to run fuelled by our blood supply, like a car is fuelled by petrol. A few years ago, I had a bit of a problem with my car. My car was running absolutely fine, but the petrol cap jammed, and you couldn't get it off. And I knew I only had a certain amount of time Certain amounts of miles before that needed to be sorted out. Of all the other issues, if I didn't sort that out, no petrol, no go. And thousands of years before scientists discovered that our bodies are fueled by our blood, God sets up a moral framework. Sin is costly and that sin has to be paid for. Simply put, sin destroys life to some degree or other. Therefore has to be paid for with life. And back in the Old Testament, this was sorted out through the sacrifice of animals and the subsequent draining of their lifeblood to pay for the sin. But these sacrifices covered sin. They didn't provide the means to once and for all free us from its power. There's an old hymn that puts it this way. It says, Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away the stain but it goes on. But Christ, the heavenly lamb, takes all our sins away, a sacrifice of nobler name and richer blood than they. My soul looks back to see the burden thou didst bear when hanging on that cursed tree. I know my guilt was there. Believing, we rejoice. To see the curse removed, we bless the lamb with cheerful voice. And sing his bleeding love. You see, Jesus, in allowing his life to drain away, became a substitute sacrifice. I don't know what you think about when you think about a substitute. We sometimes have our shopping delivered online. You know, you go through the internet and you they turn up about three days later with your shopping. And if there's anything while they're going around the store that they don't have, they choose a substitute. And a few years ago, I ordered for my youngest daughter a gluten-free pepperoni pizza because she has a medical problem that means she needs a gluten-free pepperoni pizza. Unfortunately, when they were going around the store picking my shopping, there were no gluten-free pepperoni pizzas. So instead, they sent a a substitute of a normal pepperoni pizza, clearly believing that pepperoni was the crucial thing about the pizza pizza. Not a good substitute. What about the footballer who's being injured? Or he's getting on a bit and he's sitting on the bench hoping to get a game but knowing that he's not really up to scratch. A substitute. You see, when we think of a substitute, we think of something that's second rate, something that, well, well, it'll do if it really has to. But you know God doesn't do that kind of substitution. Remember water into wine. Not just any old house red, but the best. Remember the the widow with a jar of oil, not just filled, but never running dry. Remember the beggar at the gate, give me some money, just a few coins, silver and gold. You know, if the apostles had given him silver and gold, he would have lived to beg another day. But they didn't have that, what they did have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. A theologian called Athanasius said this, Christ offers a sacrifice which is trustworthy of permanent effects and which is unfailing in its nature. The sacrifices that were offered according to the law were not trustworthy since they had to be offered every day and were again in need of purification. In contrast, the Saviour's sacrifice offered only once was accomplished in its entirety and therefore can be relied on permanently. You know, earlier I talked about the impact Good Friday had on some of the characters in the story. Jesus, the disciples, Judas, Mary. But I missed someone out. Someone who comes in right towards the end. Someone that the Bible doesn't even name. He's simply called a thief. Poetic license could suggest that he's an unlucky thief because one of the criminals had been released that day and yet this guy was sentenced to death and he's hanging on the cross next to Jesus. And in Luke twenty three forty two, it's recorded, he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I wonder what the thief had seen. What did he know? We're not told anything about this man's history, but he must have known something. And as he was watching Jesus' life draining away, what did he think was going to happen? What did he think Jesus' kingdom was? But in that moment, one of his very last on earth, he puts his faith into action and he turns to Christ to save him. And if there's ever an example of salvation being a gift of God through faith, this has to be it. He had nothing to offer Jesus. Jesus had everything to offer him and he did. Jesus could have said, but you're a thief. Your life's almost over. You're not going to be able to do anything. You're not going to be able to join a church and start tithing and volunteering in Sunday school. You've got no time left to prove yourself. But he doesn't. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. In other words, see you later. Was it a good Friday for the thief? Yeah. Yeah. He ended the day in paradise. What a good Friday. And Matthew 27 and 51 says that as Jesus died, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. This wasn't a coincidence. This curtain was the barrier between God's presence and the people. The origins of this barrier go right back to Genesis and the Garden of Eden when sin entered the world. This barrier is the very reason for Good Friday. Jesus died for this purpose. This barrier had to go, and it did. Not torn a bit, not stretched, and it was thick. It wasn't just like a little curtain, it was a thick thing. Completely torn from top to bottom. Can you picture that? Not even from bottom to top, but top to bottom. Because Jesus allowed his life to drain away, the curtain draws apart. Now God can say, come. If you've, ever, if you've lived your life as a thief, you can come. If you've ever been betrayed by a friend, you can come. If you've ever betrayed a friend, you can come. If you've ever denied Christ, you can come. If you've ever made bad decisions, you can come. If you've ever had to stand by and watch while horrendous things happen to someone you love and suffered the pain of that, you can come. If your children have ever broken your heart, you can come. If you've ever suffered because of the despair, grief and pain of a fallen world, you can come. If you've been abused, you can come. If you've been an abuser, you can come. If you've committed adultery, you can come. If you have sickness in body or mind, you can come. If you've ever been greedy or jealous or told a lie or gossiped or slandered, yes, even if your life has seemed like hell itself. You can come. You can come today. God said, Come. Jesus has died for this. The curtain is torn. It is Good Friday. It's a very good Friday.